The Christian life can only be lived by those who have received all they need through the merciful provision of Jesus as Savior and Lord. He is the bread of life. We live as we feast on Him and His truth. I'm glad you have joined the radio ministry of the Bread of Life today. This is a listener-supported program sponsored by the International Outreach Ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism. To learn more about our overseas ministries or our work in our community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Now here is our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. God has found us and rescued us in our sins at the cost of His own dear Son's precious sacrifice. When we repent and believe in Him, God takes us up in His arms and He shouts a pledge to heaven and earth that He will never let us go. That promise calls for a response on our part. Hebrews 13.5 says we should not covet as a result and we should be courageous. We're not to act out of covetousness. Here's the picture. The Christian... The child of God, the one found of God, is now nestled in the strong arms of this loving and saving God. The Christian is now an heir of all that God possesses as his child. And yet, as he resides in this place, and this is where you're residing right now, in God's arms. As you reside in this place, the the Christian, amazingly, finds himself looking across the way at his neighbor, And he has a vague awareness of uneasiness that's growing within him because he he discovers that his neighbor's car is nice. That his neighbor's house is nicer. That his neighbor's kids are quiet. He finds himself interested in the sound of his neighbor's lawnmower. It sounds light and faster and more powerful than his own. And he begins to wonder if his job is rewarding as his neighbor and he actually finds his neighbor's personality quite dynamic in comparison to his own. Before long, the Christian child of God is leaning out from the arms of God, craning his neck to take into view all the things that others seem to have that he seems to be missing. And he's no longer resting in the loving arms of the one who's holding him. He's twisting and turning to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next and slowly having his needs met is not enough. Wants become needs and demands. Enough is not enough. We said that covetousness and a lack of contentment is an incredibly unloving thing. And here's why. How unloving to be found longing for things and changes in your life that you require to make you happy while all the time You're forgetting the arms that this very moment are holding you in love and the hands, the pierced hands that have claimed you to himself and the voice that is speaking to you if you'd pause and listen in the midst of your discontentment saying, I will never, never let you go. Spurgeon said that there are four ways that covetousness marks our lives. I want to list them for you. I just want you to listen to them for a moment. We have to consider, in light of this great promise that God has given us, that it's possible that we're not living downwardly from that truth. We're forgetting it. Spurgeon says covetousness marks our lives in four ways. First, it's seen in grumbling and complaining about your state in life. 
grumbling and complaining about your state of life. Second, it's seen in envying the person, place, position, or possessions of others, your neighbor. Third, it's seen in regular cravings and longings for things that you do not have. Fourth, it is most often seen as fear and worry for what the future holds because worry is a desire to acquire the blessings or the things of the future. They're all signs of covetousness. The ironic thing, again, is that all this takes place for the believer while at the same time we lean out from the arms of the everlasting, ever-loving God who holds us to Himself and who is more than enough for all that we need and calls us and invites us to turn into Him. Turn into Him. God, by the way, is not opposed to riches or to prosperity and the prosperity that comes because we're industrious or we're working hard. He doesn't disdain our pleasure in things or the enjoyment of acquiring those things that are both beautiful or helpful to ourselves. These are good things that He actually provides for us in response to us. If God did not want these things to take place or God despised those things, He would not have used a parable like the parable of the pearl of great price. It's the parable the Lord Jesus told of the man that went searching for precious pearls and he found a pearl of great price and for the joy of possessing that one great beautiful pearl he sold all that he had to possess it god would not abuse that parable if he was opposed to our delight in beautiful things or things that were helpful to ourselves but you need to remember something in that parable remember this you're the pearl and christ found you and he gave everything to possess you as his own precious treasure And he's holding you, precious and dear to himself. And while he's holding you, check yourself. If from that place you're leaning out, longing for something other than him to satisfy and complete yourself. The spirit and attitude that looks out from the arms of God and desires to arm itself with things for its satisfaction and happiness. That attitude grieves God. It's an unloving sin against God, and it's a sin against the whole reality of your salvation. God would have you always find your satisfaction and happiness in Him. See what God says here? He says, see what the Word says here in this passage you looked at? He Himself has said. Who's the person being emphasized here? He Himself has said, I will never never leave you. It's He Himself who's before you. And the question really being asked of God is, am I not enough? Am I not sufficient for your full satisfaction? Is there something else that must be added? No, Lord. Of course not, Lord. No, Lord. Oh, Lord, not at all. I'll be imprisoned with you and I have all I need. Take the world, but give me Jesus. Coveting is a sin against God because it's saying to God, Lord, I want more than you can offer me. Coveting is a sin against yourself because in doing so, you're really holding from yourself the one thing, the only thing that can satisfy your life, that can fulfill your life, and that's God, He Himself. Coveting is a sin for the believer against your neighbor for it tells the neighbor a lie. 
It's a denial before your neighbor of the Lord Jesus that he is enough. That's the message you want your neighbor to learn. That's the message you want your neighbor to discover. We have all things in Jesus Christ. You covet, you're telling your neighbor something else that's not true. And you know it's not true. You've been saved and you've been redeemed and you know it's not true. So you don't want to give that false message to them. Those are the things it says we're not to do. Here's what it says we are to do. Because God says he'll never leave us nor forsake us, we're to act in contentment and with courage. No circumstance can sever you from God. And so every circumstance must bring you to learn another lesson of God's all-sufficiency, and you're to content yourself with Him. Because God is ever with you, because God will never leave you, you're to take courage in facing the uncertainty of tomorrow. His grace has not failed you. His grace will not fail you. His mercy is new to us every morning. Great is His faithfulness. Contentment and courage. Contentment and courage is the right response to this truth. One of the things we as adults should practice is a good memory and sometimes a selective memory because not everything in our childhood was a wonderful thing, but there are some things that were quite wonderful. And can I suggest to you one thing that you ought to try to remember? Being held in the arms of your parents. That's a good thing to remember. I was thinking about that last night. You know, our parents would sometimes go and visit other folks and we'd drive home. Sometimes it was from that Sunday night service that I told you about that I love so much. But other times it was visiting friends. We'd drive home and you know, Oftentimes, particularly on Sunday night, if you went to visit someone else's house, you were playing with those folks' kids, and so you were really having a great time, and you were running around the house, or you were playing tag outside, or whatever it was, and time came for you to get in the car and drive home, and you all piled in the car, and you drove across town to go home, and in the car, you're still burning off all that energy and excitement, and then you start realizing that you're about a half mile from home, and suddenly you decide, you know, a good ploy here is to pretend that we're asleep, Right? So all of a sudden, the car goes silent as all of you are laying in the car pretending you're asleep. And why? Because if you'll just pretend you're asleep, dad and mom might carry you in from the car to the house, from the drive to the house. And do you know what? I think dad and mom knew that you were faking a lot of the time. But more often than not, they carried you anyway. How secure was that moment? How safe were you in that moment? What contentment, what point in your life could you be more content than at that very moment? You keep it in mind. You remember it. Because, believer, that's where you're at right now. You are in the arms of God and He's holding you. You remember in every circumstance and situation, and you be content, you be content. And also you be courageous as a result. You take great courage because you're in His arms. I had one last example. I'll give it to you very quickly. Taken from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. Paul, the setting is Rome, and Paul is going before Nero for a judgment. And Paul is writing this after the time in which he went before Nero. Paul actually faced Nero at least twice. The last time he faced Nero, the sentence was death, and Paul was beheaded. But on this occasion... Paul gets a reprieve and Paul will go on to serve the Lord and answer to the missionary call and purpose that God has given for his life. But Paul writes about this meeting with Nero and so a couple things you need to understand. According to Roman law, you were allowed to have persons that would come along with you if you were accused who could speak or vouch on your behalf. And actually there are 
Roman historians who lament the fact that the Christians oftentimes took advantage of that, and when a Christian was up for some kind of trial, Christians would come along with them and flood the court with their presence to vouch for that person. But on this occasion, Paul says that no one went with me, everyone abandoned me. No one went with him when he went to Nero. The other thing that you know about Nero is when you came into the presence of Nero for trial, that there were two large lions that were put upon chains that you had to walk past in order to go into the presence of Nero, and you walked just between them because they were reaching out with their claws and their fangs, and it was all intended to intimidate you as you went before Nero, who was the Lion of Rome. And he held in his power your well-being. But here's what Paul says in light of this. Tremendous word of courage. At my first offense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that the message might be preached fully through me, and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work, and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Contentment even when others fail. And courage. Courage. Because the Lord will never fail you. Let's give him thanks. Let's bow our heads. Thanks for joining us at the Bread of Life. Our ministry is brought to you by the International Evangelism and Discipleship Ministry, Church Partnership Evangelism. To learn more about that work, go to cpeonline.org. And to learn more about our local fellowship here in Boise, Idaho, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.